Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Survivor fans, let's talk about a snack that would take that island by storm. Wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios are the undisputed champions of proteins. They pack a punch, boasting six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. That's over 10% of your daily value. Talk about a powerhouse snack. And let's not forget the lineup. We're talking flavors galore. Sweet chili, salt and pepper, honey roasted. Wonderful pistachios is like a flavor festival for your taste buds. Perfect for tribal gatherings or on-the-go adventures. The no-shells option is a game changer. Just grab and go. It's that easy. So Survivor Squad, if you want to outwit, outplay, outsnack the competition, make Wonderful Pistachios your go-to snack. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Welcome to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. I'm Jeff Probst, the host and showrunner of Survivor. Each week, I'm joined by Jay Wolf, Survivor fan and the producer of this podcast. What's up, Jay? Hey, how's it going? And we're also joined by former Survivor player. I don't even feel like that gives you enough juice, Devons. Your Hall (laughs) of Fame, Rick Devons. What's up, Rick? I'll take all the juice I can get. What's happening, Jeff? All right. Each week on this podcast, we dissect the big moments of the most recent episode of Survivor, and we bring you the insight from three different points of view, the fan, the player, and the producer. Let's get into it. Episode 8, Survivor 45. Which player or players do you want to highlight this week? I'm going with Jake the Snake here, (laughs) folks. He pulled out this move at Tribal that I just wanted to highlight. Jake says, if I pull out my... I mean, if I pull out the idol and I just was thinking to myself, my God, something so small could change the entire game. And I thought that was really cool gameplay. Well, and you know, that goes back to what Devin said in an earlier podcast where he said, and it was about Jake doing the whole, oh, I lost my ring bit. And Devin mm-hmm. said, yeah, it can work. But if people discover that was a lie, you've now given away the fact that you're able to do that. And here is Jake going back to the well again. Yeah. There you go. Well, mine is also kind of a subtle move that had a huge effect on the game. I'm going to concentrate on a man that speaks softly, but is also very tall. Drew. (laughs) Magnet. We talked about it in the game. And this time he wasn't even sure he wanted to make a move. He just kind of threw it out there. And I think it's changed the whole game. There's a line in the sand now. Mm. So I'm keeping my eye on Drew. All right. And my topic is the auction. 
That's really what is yeah. significant about this episode. So, Jay, I'm guessing that's where we're going to start. Yeah, let's get straight into it because the auction was super fun and, might I add, lasted for three acts. Yeah, that's that's a lot in television. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I want to start with the choice to bring it back. Well, we love the auction and fans for years have certainly asked me, why don't you bring back the auction? It provided a lot of fun, a lot of memorable moments, but we did feel we had broken it. Mm-hmm. And we broke it by introducing advantages, which did work for a while and gave us some great moments. But then the players wisely started to hold on to their money until an advantage came up. And that was kind of the end of the auction. So when we learned we were doing 90 Minutes, The auction was one of the first things on the list to look at, but the key was it had to be reinvented and it had to fit with the new era. And this goes back to something we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is form follows function. And the function in this case was one thing, dangerous fun. So let's start with the first change, which is this new money scramble where they're running through the woods and it felt like a little bit like the birdcage from season 44, where they're all chasing after these bamboo sticks. Scattered in your jungle are 40 bamboo tubes of cash. You can only collect one at a time. Then you must toss it in your basket before racing back to retrieve another. (laughs) Good luck. Go! Well, that's the first part of the dangerous fun. Because in the past, you used to show up and you would get $500. That was passive. You don't get anything in the new era of Survivor, not even money for the auction. Mm. So yeah, we stashed money all over the jungle. That is its own coordination challenge to pull off without the players knowing it's happening. And then immediately, what you get is character is revealed in how each player approached that scramble for money. And you saw it play out pretty dramatically. Yeah, you could see it out there. And I hate to pick on our guy, Bruce, but... Do you? Do you hate to do that? (laughs) You know, I actually do kind of hate it because I don't want to discourage Bruce's. I think he's bringing so much to the show. I love it. Mm, But as mm. a player, I'm just putting myself in those circumstances, which is it's so boring out there when you're not doing anything, when you're not doing a challenge, when you're not scrambling before tribal, you're just sitting around talking. And then all of a sudden the boat pulls up. You saw how excited everyone is as they're setting this up. What is this? What's going on? And then you find out they set up this whole search in the jungle and you saw how excited everyone is. This is really fun. So don't be unnecessarily annoying. Why are you raining on everyone's parade? Why are you putting yourself on the outside of everyone? Not to mention This is a challenge, Bruce. Like, this is as much a challenge as anything. You need to get after it because you Mm. never know what Survivor's going to bring your way. And these little things, this could come up at Final Tribal if you get there. Bruce, I remember when you didn't even try for that challenge. Why should I respect other things you did? So it's, again, a small example of just you don't need to be that way. Go along with the fun. Try your best. Enjoy yourself because it could cost you if you do it the other way. And I agree with you, Devons, that Bruce is playing hard and and you can't separate parts of a personality. The parts of Bruce that some people find annoying are also married to the same parts that are making him so effective in the game right now because he's still in the game and a lot of people aren't. My take on Bruce, now I'm going to rain on Bruce a little bit. <laughs> I felt like when I saw the footage, 
it was, well, I'm not going to get the most. So I'm just going to sit back and act like Mm. I don't care. That way I didn't fail. I didn't really care anyway. And what's great about the new auction is what he didn't know was coming was a dilemma that was actually going to work against him for not putting in any effort. So now everybody has these different amounts of money, but they have no idea what type of auction is (laughs) awaiting them. And then when we get into it, all of a sudden, we get this clip of all of the auctions past. Welcome to the Survivor Auction. (laughs) Up for bid, a variety of food items. (laughs) Fruit bat soup. Oh, dude. If you see something you desire, bid on it. I loved that flashback reel of the auction. It almost felt like NFL films, except it's Survivor. It's a reward for all of us longtime viewers. Well, and that idea to start with a flashback was Dave Armstrong, one of our supervising producer editors. He owned this entire cut, so that was his idea. And it, it was a cool idea because it was a reminder of how much fun that we've had in the past and also a reminder of what used to be is no more because this is Survivor Auction 2.0 and it's no longer passive. So quickly, we're going to see these players learn how Auction 2.0 is going to work. Jeff, talk us through the changes that you made. All right. Well, the premise is simple, but it's layered with dilemma. As you said, the players each now have different amounts of money to spend at the auction. And the players are told there will be somewhere between 6 and 15 items. They know one thing. The first five items are guaranteed they can count on that. But whether there are six, seven, eight, or as many as 15, that's an unknown because I'm going to draw a number from a bag that only I will know. And I'm not going to tell you in advance this is the last item. So you don't know if item number six will be the last or if there will be another. And it can go all the way up to 15 items. That's the second variable. Man, heart rate goes way up. The stress level of the auction for everyone participating just really through the roof with this twist. Well, and Devons, that's exactly it. That was by design. Let's do it in front of the players so they know it's legit. That stone never moved. But now you have suspense. So we have the variable amounts of money for every player. We have the unknown number of items to bid on. So your first dilemma here is, of course you want to get an item, but you don't know how many items there are going to be, and you don't know if the items are going to get better. So you're not sure how quickly you should bid. So why don't we add one more layer (laughs) that will either complicate it for you or make it easier for you depending on how much money you have. Because the last big twist to the auction was when it ends, and it will end without warning, whoever has the most money left loses their vote at the next tribal council. That was the twist that we knew the fun of the auction now just became dangerous, dangerous fun. Mm -hmm. So now you're playing this game of chance, you know, your gut, which is centered around your desire for food, but that could also significantly impact in a negative way your gameplay. Because at any given moment, whoever has the most money has A, the most buying power, and B, the most risk of losing their vote. That's a pretty good dilemma. And that's why this auction will work moving forward, even though the players know how it's going to work. It doesn't matter. The variables make it unpredictable. 
And we've talked in the past with advantages, you know, about are you going to gamble your vote to extended advantage? You're kind of it's the greed of a survivor player versus playing it safe. And that's kind of the dilemma you're in here, because let there be no doubt about it. When you're out on the island, you crave anything <laughs> like any rewards. Great. Mm. But you have very specific things that you want. For me, it was French fries and it was beer. Like I, I, I really <laughs> wanted those things. So before this twist, okay, maybe I'm going to be a little strategic. I'm going to be a little greedy. I'm going to try to pick my spots. But this twist comes in and all of a sudden you're going, I, I got to, I can't bide my time. And if I do, yeah. if I get a good deal on something, that might put me in a spot where I have just enough money to be screwed when this is all over. So it's a great twist to the game because it makes everything so much more strategic. And like so many things, Jeff, they didn't have time to process this. Right. Yeah, you saw it play out. It was really fun to watch. I mean, people were spending their entire arsenal. D spent $900 on a milkshake. I mean, at the end of the day, they just wanted to make sure they got something, the players who were in the position to do that, and they wanted to make sure they didn't lose their vote, which I fully understand. And in the case of poor Katura, she wound up with fish eyes. Ah, yes, those beautiful, gigantic (laughs) fish eyes. Let's take a break. When we come back, I will share where those specific fish eyes came from and the difficulties (laughs) that go into prepping all those food items. Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash survivor to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com survivor. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. All right, Jay, what's up next? 
All right, we're talking about the auction, and the next thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that you set up from the beginning, Jeff, this is food only. There will be no advantages right. in this auction. And I have to be honest, 15% of me still thought there was going to be an advantage <laughs> at the end. <laughs> that, that just speaks to you and I working together too long. But no, we're, we're actually very careful about me lying to the players. I don't lie. Mm. I've never lied. And I think that's why change history was slightly contentious is they felt that by omitting that that twist that was coming, I was essentially lying. But I really don't. If I say there's a merge, there's a merge, I might be clever with my words. And that happened <laughs> mm. with Xi'an uh, way back in Thailand when she thought there was going to be a merge and there wasn't. But I didn't think the players felt that. I felt very much that the players knew that we were doing a full reset. And that's why you needed to be honest is that you don't want them thinking, well, what if there really is a twist that's coming at the end? No, here's the twist. I'm going to tell you all of it, and now you can go play. Mm. Well, let's talk about the food itself. You mentioned in another episode how important it is to have fresh, good food on rewards. Yeah. So I'm assuming the auction is the same process. How do you do that in the middle of a challenge? Well, it's really fun. It's a big day for us because you have our entire kitchen team that is working to prepare things like a beautiful milkshake that's going to cost $900. Or <laughs> it could be just chips and salsa, something as small as that. But whatever it is, we want it to be beautiful. So we, we build a makeshift kitchen in the jungle. And we bring hmm, either cool. the item that's already made or the ingredients to make it, depending on the situation, into the jungle. And what's interesting for that team is they too don't know if there will be just six items or all 15. So they're ready for 15 items. Sometimes I can stash an item under my counter up front where I, you know, my big table that I have where I'm working from. Sometimes if it's like a milkshake, then it's going to be refrigerated. Sometimes things are in ovens being heated. So it's, it is really like a kitchen and it's very fun because I walk back, I've got the money in my hand. There's somebody there that I <laughs> give the money to. In fact, that's how they found out how many items there were. I came back after drawing the number and said, by the way, the number is. Interesting. So what you're saying is before you walked back for the first time to get the first food item, everyone in the kitchen had no idea how many <laughs> That's right. you're preparing. That's right. And I will say we had a camera get that shot. As I pulled it up, I knew where to hold it so that we had a shot of it because to Devin's point, we might wanted to have put it into the show to let the audience in on it. And we might in future seasons because the dilemma might become, oh, they don't realize this is the last item and it's more fun mm -hmm. to watch it play out. In this case, since it was the first auction, we just decided let's let the audience be the player and they don't know either. One thing I love about the auction, Jeff, is like the players have you right there in front of them. They can interact with you. And it's not like tribal where one of them scared to go home. So right. it's also a great opportunity for these players. I mean, they hadn't earned this this bag of rice yet. Maybe they don't like what they bought in the auction. It seems Are you like talking a great about opportunity to negotiate. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm going. Well, it's an interesting idea to consider at the auction because I'm being completely honest, we lay everything out ahead of time. So we know which items are covered, which are going to be uncovered, which items are going to be shared like a cake, which items might have the option to trade. We, we know whether an item is going to count as one or two. If we do a let's make a deal, do you want an either or? So we do lay it all out. And we were always very clear with the players. This is item number four. 
But mm. I do like what you're saying, because if a player came up with a creative idea that we hadn't thought about and it seemed fair to everybody, then, yeah, we might pivot. It would really only come down to, is it worthy of putting in the show and taking a shot? And is it fair to everyone? And so I'm with you. People should negotiate. They should try to get the game to move because you never know. The worst that happens is I say, nah, we're not doing that. And we move on. So what you're saying here is when Katora came up to you and seemed hesitant and you introduced the ability to swap, that was always pre-planned. Always pre-planned. And, it, and I'm telling you, there, there are moments when the audience goes, no way, no way. They had to change it. We don't. In the same way when somebody might say at a reward, well, it happened in the auction, actually, when they say, oh, I'm really craving peanut butter and jelly. And you go, you want to know what you're playing for? Peanut butter and jelly. It's just partly because there's so many basic foods, like Devin said, that people love, like French fries and beer. It's also just a little bit of survivor luck. Well, she ended up with fish eyes. Jeff, tell us about the fish eyes. The story of the fish eyes, Henny, who, Henny Rail, who runs our marine department, he was out fishing like two days before the auction and they were at a thousand feet and they caught one of these ruby snappers. And he told me the reason their eyes are so big is because they're a thousand feet down and they need big eyes in order to see. Look, I'm a dummy, but that's what Henny said and I believe him. <laughs> so Henny had put the snapper on ice because we cook everything that we catch. And then he heard that we were looking for a gross food item. And he said, I don't know if you're interested in fish eyes, but I got some beauties. And that's how those fish eyes ended up on the show and in the auction. And Jeff, I got to say, I noticed that when Austin bit into the fish eye, the audio on that was oh. so just delicious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if delicious is the word. Oh, yeah, that's that's one word for it. Was that the legitimate audio from the moment? Yes, and you're you're hitting on something. Well, Ryan England, who runs our audio team, we talked about him in the last season of this podcast, but he really did essentially reinvent how we get audio because he cares so deeply. So when Ryan and his team see those fish eyes, they're thinking what you're thinking, Devons, which is I can already hear it. And so they make sure that they capture that sound. And then Terry Dwyer and his team who mix our show, they make sure to bring the presence up so that when that moment goes to a close up and you see Austin biting into it, you hear all the moisture and all the little Mm. tentacles or whatever is going on inside there that he's crunching on you hear it all and that is such a tiny little moment but it makes you feel it in such a big way oh it made me feel it all right <laughs> rick let's stay on the fish eyes as a player is the fact that this is nutrition in the context of the survivor auction when the person next to you is eating peanuts and drinking <laughs> a beer is it enough to overlook that and take a bite i think it definitely you know, varies player to player. We mentioned Sheanne earlier in this podcast and on her season, you know, she mentioned culturally some of the things that were gross to some castaways weren't gross to her and she ate more than they did because she ate fish eyes and she would eat the fish head. Um, I think it comes down to that balance of are you going to be taking more in or putting more out? We saw Kendra try to eat the worm. <laughs> mm. She almost threw it up. So if you eat a worm but then throw up the equivalent of five worms, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors. So I think it just comes down to what you're comfortable eating. And, you know, we have fun with these gross food items, but it's never lost on us because our crew is multicultural. We're, we're from 20 or 25 countries that make up our crew. 
And to the point that Devons is making, like we tested those fish eyes, for instance, Mar, one of our Filipino boat captains, he ate one because he wanted us to know, A, they were safe, but he was also reminding, I eat these. It's not gross mm. to me. It's only gross to you because in your culture, you don't eat them. So it, it brings this really simple idea of mind over matter. It's not that it's wrong. It's just that we're not used to it. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about, I want to stay on food, and I want to talk about another fun experience in a very different way, the shared cake. So there were three of them up there, and they had no utensils, and they just had to scoop this thing in with their hands. And oh, by the way, you have a time limit to eat it all. (laughs) So how does that come about? Well, it's a fun time to get together and lay out the auction. And when you get to the cake, and we knew we were going to have cake, there's just something that's not only primal, about not having utensils and eating with your hands. But when it comes to cake, isn't that what you always wanted to do when you were a kid with your birthday cake? Is <laughs> Why do I have to use a fork, mom? Can't I just shove my face in there? So I think it's just having fun, you know, giving people permission to just go for it, shove your face in there and get as much cake as you can. And the timer just adds that ticking clock of, I need to shove as much into my mouth as I can before the sand runs out. But I do have to say that even in the middle of that fun moment, you're still playing survivor. And Jake had the opportunity to bring up any two other people. And Bruce raised his hand and said, bring me up. He had the least amount of money. So just like Jeff was saying, this is your time. Dig in with your hands. And he's just dipping in with his finger and he's making a show of it. He's barely eating any cake. The other castaways are actually urging him, yelling at him in their frustration, like eat more cake. That could have been them. And these are the little moments that you just always have to be thinking of how your actions are affecting the people around you because you never know how it might cost you down the road. Mm. That brings up a logistical question for me. I just wanted to clarify for everyone watching. There's no sharing when you win an auction item, right, Jeff? Unless otherwise noted, that is correct. Mm. So I'm curious, did you have a favorite moment from the auction? Because there were a lot of things going on. There were so many, and it's hard to choose. I think one that jumps immediately to mind for me is Emily took a bite of a charcuterie board and all of a sudden just started subtly dancing in front of you. I believe the words you spoke were, who are you? Uh, Jay, it was one of my favorite moments, too, because I remember... When the season was over, knowing one thing, that in episode one, everybody is going to want Emily to be out of the game as soon as possible. But if they just hang in there, they're going to fall in love with her. And I think day by day, week by week, people are talking more and more and more about Emily. And here's another great example, because we got to see her personality. We've forgotten how long it's been without food, but you give her a little something. And Emily isn't just the woman who attacked Bruce on day one. She's this fully formed human who is still learning who she is, and she's changing before our eyes. I think it's awesome and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And one moment that I want to talk about, because I have focused so much on Bruce and how he's playing really hard, but he's not doing the little things. There's another player out there who's playing really hard and doing all the little things well, and that's Dee, her $900 milkshake. Yes, she gets the milkshake. I'm sure she's happy about that, but you know that it wasn't about the milkshake. A, she wants to keep her vote, and B, she has the most money. She could easily get the most stuff. Right. But she knows she's taking that from the other castaways. She doesn't want to do that. She doesn't want to leave a hmm. bad taste in their mouth. And I just think it's another example of her willing to give up those calories, willing to give up those rewards because she's so invested in playing the game. 
Devin's, I got to say, every few podcasts, you say something that offers so much insight. And I've been on this show for 23 years. I didn't even pick up on that tiny little bit of the society that you're talking about, the little things. You mentioned Bruce hopping off the platform weeks ago. All those things matter, but only a former player can really see all of them that are happening at any given moment. That's great insight. All right. I want to do something we haven't done in a while in this podcast, and I want to talk about Bruce. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Bruce had the least amount of money coming into this auction, and then he ended up holding the most amount of money when the auction ended, forcing him to lose his vote. Any insight into why it ended up that way? Well, I think it's a great cause and effect. You, you take an action, and then there's a consequence. In this case, as we've talked about, he decided not to go hustle for the money. All right, that's his, his choice. So he came in with the least amount of money, and when he saw the twist, he was relieved. Okay, well, I might not get any food, but at least I won't lose my vote because I only have $80. That could never happen, but it did. And then <laughs> and he lost his vote. So I think that's just the way the game goes. The only difference for me with Bruce is had Bruce owned it in an interview and said, listen, here's why I'm not going for the money. Then we have insight and maybe his strategy works and maybe it doesn't. You can't criticize somebody for taking a shot at something because nobody knows what's coming. I think what Devins is picking up on and you a little bit is that Bruce is inconsistent. You know, one mm. minute he's doing this, he's taking a leadership role. The next minute he's stepping back and acting like he doesn't care. And that does impact people socially. And I think if Bruce makes it to the end and gets to the final three, he will have some accounting to do for that. Mm. So all in all, I think an extraordinary new auction, yes. in my opinion. Jeff, are we seeing this auction come back? Absolutely. I will say it's it's a lot of work for us. And it requires 90 minutes because it really is a big auction. So it's probably not going to be every season. But I do think the format works. I think it's repeatable. That's one of the things you look for in a twist is could we do this again? And in this case, yeah, now everybody knows the rules, but it doesn't change anything. There's still the variables mm. of money and the number of items and the loss of a vote. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the rice negotiation and the tribal council blind side that sent Kelly home. Plus your questions. Be right back. Welcome back to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. All right, Jay, what do you got next? Well, you brought up the rice negotiation, and uh, I'm very excited that you did because this was a moment on Survivor I can say I think no one expected. Can we agree we all need this and, like, we'll respect the people who sit out? I'll tell you what, Katura, let me help incentivize you just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, she's excited. <laughs> <gasps> what? That's your rice. I'll sit, I'll sit. <laughs> Somebody else, sit. Somebody else. Drew is number three. Somebody's got to go, come on. Come on, somebody. Is it running out? Yeah, it's running out. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do Ketura it. Katura gonna sit out. Oh. Jeff with the knife. Yeah. In the parlor room. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's more fun to be a fan than a player. I gotta say, Jay, super villain Jeff, straight out of a Mission Impossible movie. I thought he was gonna be on Light the Fuse podcast here on Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta know, Jeff, where did this idea come from? 
That was Keone, who started as a dream teamer and has worked his way now to being a part of Team Flint with Quigley and Andrea, who do so much on our show. And he had the idea, Quigley called me and said, hey, Keone had a kind of interesting idea. What if you take a knife to the to the rice? And I, I was on the phone going, oh my God, that's amazing. So immediately we realized it fits the new era perfectly. Dangerous fun. The players know this moment for a rice negotiation is coming. We've done it every season in the new era. But now we're adding this ticking clock. So you have players who are debating, all right, am I going to be one of the people that sit out? Which is a huge decision because you could be voted out. But we will get rice. But the longer we take, the less rice we get. So in this situation, Jeff... It was a tactful amount of rice that was coming out of the bag. Like, did you practice with the knife to make sure that the hole wasn't too big? Yeah, we had a few knives, actually. And so in the (laughs) art department, we set up a bag of rice and we took a few attempts with different knives. We also looked at, should I just poke it or should I poke it and turn it to create a slightly bigger (laughs) hole? And then we also had this really cool piece of driftwood that Zach and Simo had found in the art department. And they will find these. They will go just looking when we first mm-hmm. arrive in Fiji. And they found this beautiful piece and they didn't know what to do with it. And then they they heard about this twist and they said, oh, we have the perfect place for you to hang that rice so it'll be high enough that we can see the rice dropping out. So we basically rehearsed this in the art department on that airfield strip in Fiji that we talked about last season. And then Mm -hmm. what we knew going in was it will also be a variable for us because I'm just me. I'm going to put the knife in slightly differently every time (laughs) and I'm going to twist the knife and, and create a slightly bigger hole every time. So once we're out there, we go and that's happening and it's real. Mm. Jay, I love just picturing this CSI Fiji with them out there trying the different knives on the different (laughs) bags like they're in the crime lab. But Devons, that is the most fun part of the show. Because doing it on the show, of course, that's exciting. Cameras are rolling. The players are there. But the fun of working with a team out on this dirt field and saying, is that too much rice that they're going to not have or not (laughs) quite enough rice that they're not going to have? That's the fun part of being on this team. And the other part of this rice negotiation is that they might not negotiate for it, right? Like, it's not a given that all four players are going to give up their vote. Rick, I know in an earlier episode of this season, you said you would never sit out a challenge because you didn't want to let down your dad. Mm. (laughs) For you, when you look at a rice negotiation like this, even if the ticking clock is ticking, are you going to raise your hand to sit out? Yeah, you know, I think it does get tricky in this situation because by not sitting out, you may be alienating your allies and putting yourself in a bad spot in the game. So you really have to look around, where do I stand? Okay, but Devins, wait a minute. Yeah. That's that's a non-answer answer. You've said you would never sit out. Jay asked a legit <laughs> question. This is very specific. There has been no food for the entire tribe. Four or five people have to sit out. What are you going to do? Oh, I would I would not sit out. It wouldn't even I wouldn't even be stressing <laughs> when you stab the bag because I'm not going to sit out. It's just plain and simple. And that makes it really easy for me. You know, it's like President Obama wearing the same thing every day. One less decision I have to make. I'm never sitting out for food because I won't be able to forgive myself. 
Yeah, that's a legit strategy. And that's one of those things we've been talking about is you can't come into the game with an overall strategy of how you're going to play every day. That's impossible. You can come in with a philosophical approach. Like that's one of the tenets of Rick Devins. I don't sit out. Everybody who knows me knows that. I won't do it because of my dad. Also, just for me, I don't think that's my my way I want to play. Somebody else may say, I'm the giver. I'm always going to sit out. And that could be a good strategy that wins them a million dollars or what gets them voted out. You can't blame a player for having a philosophical approach, but it is good to have one. Yeah. Mm, especially when the rice is pouring out of the bag. All right, let's move on to the next moment, which is the challenge itself. So, Jeff, I wanted to ask about these endurance challenges that might last a really long time. Is there any sort of difference in the preparation when you go in terms of the production? Not really. Um, you know, we, we've done challenges in the early seasons that went very long. The longest was a was Survivor Palau. It went like 13 yeah. hours, 14 days. Uh, many moons <laughs> coming and going. <laughs> but over the years, we've refined it to where we we have endurance challenges that last long enough that we know we're getting a real test. And that can be five minutes on one challenge or five hours on another. But in terms of shooting it, we shoot every challenge basically the same way. We have cameras that are on long lenses, which will give you these beautiful close-ups. We have handhelds that have big, fat, wide lenses that are right up in your face. And we have a variety of ways that we cover challenges. And then when we're in the editing bays, our producers and our editors work together to say which shot in any given moment best tells the story of that moment. Mm. And just a small thing I want to point out, I know we talked about sound earlier with the sound of the fish eyes, but here again, the sound of the wood creaking as mm -hmm. they're holding on to a third of their body weight, I just thought was extremely impactful within the context of the episode. You know, for somebody who listens to this podcast because they're interested in the little intricacies, when you're first making your early movies as a young film student, and Jay, I know this is you as well, mm -hmm. you learn one thing very fast. You can have the most beautiful looking images. You can shoot them on 35. You could shoot them on IMAX. But if your sound mm -hmm. sucks, your movie's going to suck. Mm -hmm. Conversely, right. as you've seen with like horror movies, you could shoot something that's very grainy and it even could be out of focus. But if the sound is beautifully designed and it brings you into that world, then you will be moved by the experience. And that's why we talk about Ryan and his team so much is Ryan believes that he saw the opportunity to get much richer sound design and with Terry and his team who mix it. I mean, it's all part of when you sit down to watch it, whether you're on CBS or whether you're streaming it on your phone on Paramount Plus, you're still hearing it and feeling it. And I love when we kind of get into the weeds and talk about that stuff. And the results of this challenge, I got to say, they sounded very good for Bruce. Our guy <laughs> comes through with a big win. And this is obviously a very difficult challenge. And he might have needed that win. So good for Bruce. And Devons, this is why Bruce is so fun to talk about, because he's polarizing. Mm -hmm. On one hand, yeah, you could say some things about him are annoying. On the other hand, I'm still here. Kelly's not. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have slippery hands from the cake because he didn't put his whole fist into it <laughs> to hold on to that rope. All right. Let's talk about the last moment of the episode, which has to be the vote and the blind side of Kelly. The thing I want to focus on first is the reading of the order of the votes. Yeah. Jake, three votes, Jake. Kelly. Uh oh. Three votes, Jake. One vote, Kelly. The look on her face here. Well, and, and as Devin's knows, they can start to feel it shifting. 
Kelly. Three votes, Jake. Two votes, and Kelly. And Jake is wondering, is this real? <laughs> Kelly, we're tied. Oh, people are playing Survivor. Three votes, Jake. Three votes, Kelly. And now we start to show the faces of the people who are blindsiding and the ones who are being surprised right now. <laughs> Kelly, that's four votes, Kelly. Three votes, Jake. And now Kelly knows. One vote left. Unless it's a crazy tie, I've been bamboozled. Ninth person voted out and the second member of our jury, Kelly. And her face. Whoa! Sorry, whoa. <laughs> Jake. I know it was a long clip. I wanted to leave it in because Jake's reaction to it the entire moment. But before we get to that, Jeff, you said in an earlier episode that you go back and when you quote unquote tally the votes, which is not a thing that actually happens, the votes get reordered. Can you explain that process a little bit? Because here, three votes in a row for Jake, you're expecting Jake's going home. Yeah. Now, I love this part of the show because I'm not aware who is voting for who. I have no idea what they're saying. Matt Van Wagenen and the producer of that episode, in this case, it was Clark Bernstein, are watching on a monitor. So they know everything. They know every player that got at least a vote and they know which player is going home. And our rules are, if any player gets a vote, then we show it. The only time we don't show all the votes is if we have reached the majority and the remaining votes are for the same person. That's when you will hear me say, that's four and that's enough. That means I don't need to read the rest because they're all yours and you already have enough. And as for the ordering of the votes, again, that's Matt and Clark, and it's based on which direction you want to take the story. They could have gone Jake, Kelly, Jake, Kelly. We do that a lot. But when we do that, it's because we know it's one of those two players. In this case, we thought it was more interesting to set it up that it is Jake and then pull the whammy, no, it's Kelly. And it's a choice, but in this case, they got it right. Mm. And this blindside really did shake everyone to their core. I mean, Jake, you just heard it. Jake screams. Kendra's crying. Poor Kelly, she forgets her torch on her way to come yeah. over to you. Rick, when you see your name on the parchment like that, and it's so unexpected, is there anything worse? Yeah, I, I think when it's unexpected, it's it's got to be just awful. Because if you're like Jake and you go in there and kind of expect to see your name, you you have a nauseous feeling. You have like that sinking feeling in your stomach. You don't want it, but you know it's coming. We talk about the vote order. If you see three Jakes and then your name pops up, you know that that could be really bad news. And, <laughs> and your stomach just <laughs> drops in that moment. And yeah, it's too late to do anything. You can't make any moves at this point. So right. all of a sudden, Jeff is in complete slow motion. And wow. you're just hoping that it's not going to be your name on that final parchment. Meanwhile, Jake is going, oh, my God, do I have hope? Or is it just false hope? Is it just <laughs> making the pain that much more pronounced? It's it's the worst feeling in the world. And it lasts for about nine hours if you're one of the people <laughs> whose name is on the parchment. <laughs> and I'll share that this was one of the most potent blindsides I've been a witness to. I, and I mean it. I felt the energy from those who blindsided and from those who were blindsided. And I guess we're going to go back to Bruce one more time because we said this a few weeks ago. If, if Kelly doesn't separate from Bruce, if you don't separate from somebody that you think is pulling you down, you are going to drown at some point. That's how the game works. I'm going to guess that Kelly's going to be talking about that in her interviews, that I had a sense that Bruce was going to cost me. And I'm going to go back to the same thing. Kelly's gone. Bruce isn't. 
Mm. Jeff, did Kelly play the way that you thought she might when you first met her? Uh, Kelly was a great player. I remember when we met Kelly, it was toward the end of our casting for 43 and 44. Really, at the very end, we were basically fully loaded. And Jesse Tannenbaum said, I, I had somebody I want you to meet. And I met her and five minutes in, I was like, oh, she's absolutely going to be on the show. And then I write Jesse back and I go, wait a minute, are we considering putting her on 44? That's amazing. That would have totally changed 44. Imagine if Kelly was there and if Bruce had stayed. What a different season that would be. <laughs> but Devins, you're, you're exactly right. One person changes everything because now you have a different complexion and personality to the cast. So we decided wisely, no, 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 no. We have a great 44 cast. So we asked her to be an alternate. She said yes. She came to Fiji and she ended up on 45. And I think she's happy, even though obviously she got blindsided. That's why Survivor is so tantalizing is when one of your favorite players gets blindsided. The show has to have stakes and Survivor does. Can I ask a logistical question, Jeff? Yeah. When was she out there to be an alternate for season 44 versus when did she end up going out for season 45? Right. So for 44, she came out at the beginning of the season with everybody else. And the players that are out there, they don't know who's going to be on the show. They don't. They might count 19 people and assume there's an alternate, or maybe we have 20 because we have two alternates. So there's still some uncertainty. But the reason she's out there is if a woman had dropped out for some reason, Kelly would have been on the show. So she has to leave her life as though she is going to play Survivor, knowing that it's very unlikely that she will. So she went mm. out and went through the process of spending a week at Ponderosa, and then we told her, sadly, we don't have a spot for you. The good news is our entire S44 cast is looking great. So we'll send you back home and we will see you next year when we shot season 45. Wow, that's commitment. Yes, it is commitment. And Devin's, it's one of the things we look for. When we say, do you want to be an alternate? If somebody says, nah, not really. We go, huh, maybe we should reconsider putting you on the show in the first place. All right, let's get into some fan questions. As a reminder, if you have a question for Jeff, you can email us at survivorshoutout at cbs.com and I will read those questions and I might even read them here like this one from Casey that says, Hi Jeff, question, what happened to casting villains? When was the last time we saw players like Russell and Tony? Survivor's gone soft, if you ask me. As much as I love you and the show and the podcast, feel recently there's too much focused on the emotional side of Survivor. Thoughts? Well, I think it's interesting that Casey puts Russell and Tony in the same category. I wouldn't. Mm. And, and that's another reason why Survivor's interesting to be a part of and so fun to talk to fans about. There's no right or wrong. It's subjective. But it's a fair question. Deserves a real answer. Here's the big picture. Casting has evolved quite a bit from our early seasons. There was definitely in those early seasons more of a casting based on a type of personality. You know, you're more of a villain or you're the nice mom. He's the all-American dad. And it worked because that's where we were at the time, both with the genre of Unscripted, but also specifically with Survivor. And we were growing and we were evolving and we were learning what worked and what didn't. And in terms of my role as showrunner, I've been very clear that I wanted to take casting in a slightly different direction. And over the years, we've continued to evolve in that direction. And it basically comes down to this. We're not casting based on a type of personality. We're not looking for the all-American dad. We're looking for interesting, compelling people. That's it. 
You might know exactly who you are. You could be searching to discover who you are. You could be 18 going on 55, or you could be 55 with the spirit of an 18-year-old. You can be athletic or non-athletic. You can be any ethnicity. You can be any sexuality. Your approach to the game can be devious slash villain, or it can be adventurous or strategic or all of the above. And specifically to Casey's question about villains, we would put Tony on the show today, immediately, 100%. We'd put Boston Rob, Parvati, Sandra, Tyson, all people known as villains, but they're likable people. I don't think we would put Russell on the show today, but I want to be clear because I think sometimes people think I just don't like anything about Russell. Russell was amazing on Survivor. Russell impacted the game in some really big ways that are still imprinted in the game today, specifically like finding an idol without a clue. That goes directly to Russell. Russell showed up every day and he played Survivor 100% every day. But there was a part of Russell that in today's game, I don't think would fit. Jeff, what is it specifically? Is it just that he's not really a great guy and you don't want to give really big, great opportunities to people that aren't great guys? Like you want to just give those opportunities to good people? No, I'm not really casting a judgment on Russell. I think it's just a tone, an approach to the game. I think Survivor's fun and that you can play hard and pull off a blindside like they did on Kelly, but you can still do it in the spirit of we're all out here to have a great time and experience a great adventure. And I think Russell played at a time where the game could get a little nastier and you could play with a little more meanness. And that was okay. That's where the game was. It's just not where the game is right now. Mm. And to the emotion of the game, it's kind of what I just said. I'm attracted to the adventure of spirit that Survivor offers. And you can have villainous players. Bruce might be a villain this season, but Bruce is Mm. a likable villain. He's fun to watch. We would have Bruce back again. It's just the nature and the approach that you bring to the game. I I think Survivor can be both a very fun, devious, strategic game of manipulation. It can also be the greatest experience of your life. That's what we're looking for. And question two comes from Sam, who says, Hey, Jeff, I'm Sam. Hey, Sam. Lifelong Survivor fan and future Survivor winner. (laughs) Breaking news. (laughs) My question today is actually for Rick Devins. Are bathroom breaks allowed at Tribal Council, or should you go before you head out? When I get cast for the show, my biggest fear is getting super stressed out at Tribal Council and crapping my pants before I head to the voting booth. I'd love to hear some stories on this. Yeah, Rick. (laughs) All right, I'll take a shot at this one first. Um, No bathroom breaks during Tribal. At least no one took one during my season. But you're obviously really nervous before Tribal, so... If you're like me and have kind of a nervous bladder, you're asking, can I take a quick bathroom break before we grab our torches and walk in? And I would actually do that before every tribal. And I would remember that I would go to the place where we have the bathroom. So you're a little away from the tribe. Again, there is no bathroom. (laughs) I would go to the place where you use the bathroom, which is really just on the beach. And you're a little away from your tribe. And it was so gorgeous. And I would just soak up the stars from the Southern Hemisphere. And I would soak up the sound of the waves and go, this might be the last time I hear all this. And this is why I'm doing my bathroom break, you know. But I have such a distinct memory of that. Mm. And then I did actually one time during final tribal council. This is when I'm on the jury at this point. And I've had the last couple 
hours to eat and drink whatever I want. So my stomach is very confused. We get to tribal and I have to use the bathroom and it's not number one. And they go, sorry, Devons, there's no toilet out here. We do have toilet paper. I was allowed to use that at that point because I was out of the game. But even after I was out of the game, I still had to use the bathroom in the jungle because there's just not a toilet close by. Wow, that image of you taking a pee in the ocean, enjoying the environment, and knowing palpably that it could actually be the last night you're playing Survivor, it really kind of captures the weirdness of Survivor, that you could have this personal moment and then go back into the game and know it might be your last moment. All right, we're going to do the last question and we're going to, I guess, stay on the bio topic. This question comes from Tim. He writes, hey, Jeff, huge Survivor fan, huge fan of the podcast. My wife and I watch the show and listen to the podcast each week. And since I didn't get her anything for our anniversary, reading this question would get me back in our marriage alliance and give me immunity for one more year. Oh, yeah. Good luck. My question is, how bad do contestants smell on the show? I know they can mm. clean themselves in the ocean, but I'm not sure how clean that would make someone. And as a follow-up, is the horrible odor of contestants the reason you stand so far away from them in challenges and sit so far away at Tribal? Appreciate the response and the help with my marriage. All right, Devins, let's compare smell factors from the two different sides of the game. What do you remember about being able to smell either yourself or the other players? I do not remember myself having that bad of a stench, but I would wash in the ocean every morning. And then the one time it mattered if I smelled the loved one's visit, I had actually won a reward like the day before or two days before where I got a shower. So that was good for Becca. Um, as far <laughs> as my tribe mates go, there's definitely an undertone of B.O., but it's almost overwhelmingly just campfire smell. Like that yeah. smoky smell is the real thing that gets in your nose. Yeah, that's a part of the very distinct smell that I get when I'm around the survivors. It, as you say, <laughs> it's not really fully BO or other bodily issues. It's this cumulative thing that is like a campfire and a gym locker that hasn't been opened in a long time. What's weird is <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It's not really offensive as much as it just is there. Mm. So anytime I'm explaining a challenge, every so often I'll go like, oh yeah, wow. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's that smell again. But what's fun is sometimes in the morning before I head out to a challenge, I will purposely put on a little lotion that smells really good and I'll just <laughs> do my own test. And every so often there'll be a player that goes, wow, Jeff, you smell really good. And I think, wow, I don't really smell that good, but I just smell better than you. <laughs> as far as where I stand at challenges and tribal, that's really just for cameras. You're trying to create angles and eye lines so that when I look at Devons, it looks like Devons is looking back for me. But I think to the bigger thing, boys, that we should weigh in on, um, Tim, as an ordained minister in the state of California, <laughs> who has conducted a few weddings for my friends, including Lee Kirk and Jenna Fisher from the office, I encourage oh my you gosh. and your wife to pick your favorite episode of Survivor and try this little marriage experiment. Turn the sound mm -hmm. off and create a new story by making up the words that you wish the players were actually saying. And through this creative improv exercise, you'll be reminded 
of the sense of humor and the point of view that first attracted you to each other. And you can rekindle your spark that may be threatened by forgetting the very day you started this adventure <laughs> together. Godspeed and namaste. <laughs> All right, that's it for episode eight. What's coming next? What's your prediction for where we are in the game? Oh, let's see if our boy Bruce can stay on the heater. I feel like he's been on the craps table for a while and he just keeps coming up with numbers and he's going to roll a seven eventually. In my mind, it's been Caleb and Kelly kind of running things up to this point and they're gone and now Reba's drawn a line in the sand. Jake has new life in the middle of these two big groups. I can't Mm. wait to see how all this chaos kind of settles once they get back to camp. All right, that's it for this week's episode of On Fire. Please make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And as we've said, that's really important. There's a brand new episode of Survivor every Wednesday at 8, 7 Central on CBS and Paramount Plus. And immediately following the episode of Survivor, Jay, there's a new episode of this podcast, On Fire. We'll see you then. You can watch Survivor and more on Paramount+. Plus. Subscribe at ParamountPlus.com and use the code SURVIVOR45 by December 20th, 2023 and get your first month of Paramount Plus on us. Must be age of majority to subscribe. U.S. only. Payment method required. Terms and conditions apply. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.